Hi, welcome to the Integrative Health Podcast with Dr. Jen Flegar. This podcast is meant to educate and empower about important health topics. Dr. Jen's passion is to get to the root cause of disease and prevent illness. She will also feature guests who are experts in their fields and experiences in all things related to integrative medicine. Amazing. If you could subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star review and share with your friends. And now on with our show for today. Hello, welcome back to the Integrative Health Podcast with Dr. Jen. I'm so excited. Today we are going to talk with a husband and wife. So Sean McCarthy and his wife Brenda Schultz. Brenda is a two-time Olympian with tennis. Um, she she was an Olympian for Holland, the country, and they work for a nonprofit. Well, they they are in charge of the nonprofit called TEDS, Think, Eat, Do, Serve. And it was founded by the both of them. What the story is behind this, which we're going to get a little bit more into during the podcast, is after Brenda's career-ending injury, they both began a physical, mental, dietary, and spiritual quest on how to get Brenda back on the WTA tour. Despite doctors and specialists all over the country... She, they all said she was done. So she decided to take a holistic approach to life with the help of her husband, Sean. Brenna was able to come back on tour and break the world record for the fastest serve at, this is crazy, 130 miles per hour. Ted's was founded by Sean and Brenda, and it's on a 300-acre holistic farm in Virginia. And it's to teach athletes, families, and individuals how to overcome any obstacles, physical, mental, emotional, physical a medical anything that is keeping them from achieving their goals and performing at their best and ultimately living life to their fullest. So welcome to the podcast, Sean and Brenda. So excited to have you. Thanks, Jen. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jen. Yeah. So I just would love to know how, first how you guys met. And then, then I want to get into um, Brenda's career and her injury. Well, we were both living in South Florida in Boca Raton, and Brenda was, when she was in town training, her coach lived in the area, and I worked out in an athletic club. I was kind of a gym rat in the gym at 6 a.m. and then back in the evening to play basketball after work. So Brenda, when she was around, would sometimes come and work out there, and her coach's wife was a friend of mine from the gym. So there was a tournament on the WTA tour that was in town, and Brenda lost in the quarterfinals and was kind of upset. And her coach's wife said, well, there's all these guys that play basketball. You probably like some of them. They're tall guys or young guys. <laughs> you should go out to this bar and restaurant. Since I'm 6'3". Yeah, so, <laughs> so, so come to this bar and restaurant where they all hang out on Friday nights. So she had just lost. She wasn't really too incentivized to go out, kind of bummed out because she lost, but didn't want to sit at home. So... She went out that night with her coach's wife and a bunch of us were there having dinner and hanging out. And so we met and the rest is history. That was in 1994. So, Oh, I love it. So you were like the knight in shining armor, comforting her and everything. And so how tall are you then if Brenda's 6'3"? Um, you know, it, it depends. I have a leg length difference. So on my left leg, I'm 6'6". On my right leg, I'm 6'5". So. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> 
so six, we, five and a half to even. Yeah, so we'll call it six, five and a half. Yes, yes. Well, Brenda, tell us a little bit about your tennis career. Yes, I, I mean, I started playing tennis when I was eight years old. And on a very young age, probably about 10 already, the people said that I was going to do something special in tennis. I was very athletic, powerful, always had a big serve right from the get-go. It was uh, something my dad taught me. And he started when I started tennis. He was a good soccer player. And my mom started, my sister, we all started at the same time. And, uh, and he, he kind of picked up the surf real fast and always had a good throwing arm. And he showed me and I was like, okay. And so from the, from the start, that was kind of my weapon. And like I said, at 11, I won the Dutch national championships under 12 wow. and kept kind of winning it under 14, under 16, under 18. And then when you're number one in Holland, then I start, when I was 15, I started playing the senior like the real Dutch championships not in the juniors anymore and then when I was 15 I won the the Dutch championships and then at 15 they kind of said oh you you have to start playing professional tennis tournaments so at 16 I turned pro that was 1986 I'm born 1970 so it's easy math (laughs) so 1986 I started pro and uh you know, it took me a while. It went real fast that I made it from 1,500 in the world to 30 in the world. And then at 30 in the world, I was probably about 18 when I was 30 in the world. And then I got stuck for about five years till I met Sean, uh, probably six years. And I met Sean at 24 years old, like he just said. And that was 19, um, 1994. And he was kind of the one that helped a lot of put in a lot of the pieces in the puzzle that were missing. And the first piece of the puzzle was kind of the mental, mental part. Everybody was like, ah, you know, she has talent and she should be number one in the world, but she's a head case. Mm. So the head case was pretty much standing for nervous, you know, getting, getting nervous, finishing matches, um, beating the top, top girls you know when you're 30 in the world you kind of have to beat the top 10 players in the world in order to get to that next step and that's where I was stuck so yeah so that's when we met in in Boca Raton that year and I played a couple of smaller tournaments before uh, the Miami Open and then when I played the Miami Open it's um, it's in Miami it's a huge tournament and that's when Sean came watching he came watch my first three matches and after the third one, I won all three, but there were tough, very close matches. And then the fourth one, I had to play the number two player in the world at that time, Arantxa Sanchez Vicario. And uh, Sean, I was, he's like, who do you have to play next? And I said, oh, I have to play that girl over there. And he was like, oh, really? And I said, yeah, she's number two in the world. You know, I lost to her about eight times and she's always getting lucky. So I gave her all these excuses why I was probably not going to win. So he was straightforward and said it doesn't sound like you're gonna be there tomorrow and he was a football player played for university of cincinnati totally different background totally different view on on everything and so so he was just saying that and i was like "Mm, you know (laughs) i was first getting pissed and then i got back in the hotel and he couldn't watch the next day because he was a stockbroker for dean witter at the time and he had to go back to work on monday so he watched my friday saturday sunday matches so I went back in the hotel and I started thinking about it. I was like, man, he's right. You know, I, I don't really believe. That's probably why I haven't been winning. I, I'm, 
maybe not believing. I'm definitely not speaking like I'm believing. Mm-hmm. So I called him up that night and I calmed down a little bit and I said, Sean, you know, you have any advice? I mean, you're right. But what do I do now? I have to play her tomorrow. So he was like, now I was just listening to, to Anthony Robbins and some other books from Napoleon Hill. And they say, if you write things down and preferably in blue ink, because there was some, you can probably explain <laughs> that better why in blue ink. But anyway, so I wrote that evening, I wrote it down like not 10 times, but 50 times and I was writing down, I got to bend my knees, I got to focus, I got to do this, do that, and I'm going to beat Arantxa. So the next day, I get on the court, I lose the first set 6-1. So for the people that know tennis, that's not a good start. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure I was sitting in the changeover like, oh, shoot, you know, I just lost the first set 6-1. It's not really working, just writing it down. Then the second set, I get down and I get all the way to a tiebreaker. So that means it's six all and then you play a a seven point tiebreaker. So I get down in the tiebreaker, six, two, and you have to get to seven. So at this point, Arantxa has four match points in a row. Mm. And on that level, it's very hard normally to to win six points in a row for me. So I end up winning that tiebreaker at eight, six. And, and end up winning the third set 6-3. And that was kind of the first time in my career that I would beat somebody top 10, somebody two in the world, mm-hmm. and and was like amazing. And, you know, and from that moment on, I joke around, if I would have lost the match, I don't know if you would be married. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it worked out. And uh, so, so, yeah, so then that was my first big semifinal and a big tournament. And after that, I just realized that I needed that confidence and Sean definitely helped me with every piece after that because sometimes I'll come off the court and he'll be like, ah, you, you were kind of straight up and you weren't moving right. And my coaches would say that, but they never filmed me. So he came from a background, what was in football, that they watched more film than they actually played. So the minute I said, really? I feel like I was low on the ground and I was bending my knees and I was having a pretty fast first step. And he was like, no, nah, you know, I'm not a tennis player, but I didn't think so. So he right away went to the first Sony store and bought this big camera. Like, uh-huh. you know, that time it was, and now you can film with your phone, but at that time it was a huge camera in, in 1994. And starts filming every practice, every match. And I would be looking in the beginning. I'm like, oh, man, I'm slow and I'm straight up, you know. Right. And it was kind of funny on that level. I'm already 30 in the world. At this point, when I beat at Arnsha, I was probably about 20. And nobody really did that. Nobody. We were so behind, I felt, compared to the sport that he was playing. Obviously, there's a lot more money involved in the colleges and in the football. I mean, there's 80,000 people watching a college game. So... I, he could teach me a lot from, from those things. And then we went at 25, like a year later, we went to this seminar from Anthony Robbins was, um, you can explain he was the, it he was the MC. It wasn't, he was, he wasn't the main guy, but what happened was, is there was a guy that was, um, one of the top people for cancer research for the USDA. And he came out with his kids and his wife. And he said, I'm going to tell you 10 things. If you, cut these 10 things out of your diet, your life will change. But he said, he was kind of joking, but not joking. He said, if you feed your kids Coca-Cola and hot, you know, traditional hot dogs, you might as well beat your children. So yeah. he had a month. So it was 20 I, people in Miami Heat Stadium. Yeah. So we, 
Well, we I kind of think that's like when I, you know, it is kind of child abuse, you know, I mean, you're, you can make them sick or have fatty liver. So I, I mean, yeah, he was pretty blunt about it. But the interesting mm-hmm. thing was, you know, in the mid nineties, it was kind of the, the uh, high carbohydrate, you know, low fat, fake sugar time, you know, when margarine, yeah, yeah, all, yeah all, all that stuff. So we kind of went, you know, no margarine, no, you know, meats with nitrates, uh, hydrogenated you know, oil hydrated on our or, cereal boxes. Or, you, know, <laughs> you know, all the bread, all the cereal had everything. Even peanut butter had hydrogenated oil in it at that time. And the yogurt, all the yogurt, we had. all the yogurt had NutraSweet in it. You know, so you just right. you, think, you think you're eating healthy. So we just went and evacuated everything out of our closets. <laughs> Literally almost nothing left. Yeah, and that was before Whole Foods was really popular. So right. kind of funny. We used to go to this health food store, which is Wild Oats. No, it was before, oh, Wild, before Oats. Wild Oats. It was next to the pet food store. It's about the size of our bedroom. You know, they right. had they had a few vitamins and some fresh vegetables and some really bad bread that tasted like cardboard. <laughs> right. So things you know, have gotten better. Yeah, things have gotten so, a lot better from that perspective. Going back to um what Brenna was saying about you filming and everything. I'm like taking all this in because, you know, I have kids in sports right now. And I actually, my daughter playing basketball, I record when she's in because then, and then I just breathe very deeply because I I don't want to like coach from the sidelines because that's like a big no-no, even though my dad did that when I was little to me. But I, and then I, I have her watch herself and we go through it. So I don't know, for me as a parent, and I know a lot of my listeners are parents and with the sports and stuff, I think instead of nagging them, just say, here, watch the film. I think that's such a great thing. I mean, it's just, it's, it's the fastest way to show somebody something. I mean, the other day we were at the baseball field with our boys, because when we transition up to Virginia in the spring, it'll be baseball time. So, you know, it's our son saying, oh, I'm running, I'm doing this, I'm moving I'm my legs. Picking up my knees. I'm picking up my knees. <laughs> Here, it's a, no reason to get into an argument. It's just a quicker way to, to remedy things, but it, it can go into a lot. So, I mean, it can even, you know, I think one of the good things about this whole COVID, if there's anything good about it, is the fact that we are, have done more on Zoom. And I think people have been able to see themselves, especially from a physical training. I mean, if you're doing corrective yoga and things like that with people people who typically would just go to a yoga class now are kind of in a camera situation where you can use things and isolate things they can actually show people what their bodies are actually doing because most people never take the time they'll just go and execute something and not pay attention to it so i think you know for video is an incredible teaching tool whether you're learning how to speak and understanding your body language or playing sports right yeah well, tell me about your holistic farm and your, tell me about your mission and, and how you guys created this, how it was your calling. Well, you know, when Brenda injured her back, like I told you earlier, before we started recording, you know, we tried everything traditionally and kind of alternative as you want to call it. So everything from painkillers to physical therapy um, even eventually after taking time off, she had surgery and we had a great surgical team, the head of orthopedic surgery, the head of neurosurgery and the head Olympic doctor were the ones that put together the program, you know, the surgery and everything before and after in the Netherlands. 
So it's not a massive country, but still they have, you know, good physicians and we had the best ones in the two categories that oversaw, you know, we're seeing things. And it was even to the point where the neurosurgeon told the orthopedic surgeon, you know, you would have missed what was wrong with her back. And he did a very slight laminectomy, right? Mm -hmm. And even to the point later on, when Brenda was in so much pain and we went down to Barth Green, who was a neurosurgeon in Miami, we waited like six months and it was a very comprehensive interview and they didn't even care who she was. You've got to wait. He has plenty of people from all over that need his help. And essentially what he told us was, he said, look, I can do surgery on you again. Here's my phone number. Here's my secretary's number. You can come down. I'll have you home for lunch. He did like Dennis when he realized. He he, he just really what he said was, is it was funny because he said, it sounds like your husband's pretty knowledgeable. Why don't you just listen to your husband and find some other therapists that can really get down and dirty and deep and really push you to get as fit and healed as you possibly can. Not so that you can play tennis again but so that you can have a healthy life. But but I would bet if you do this, you'll probably be able to play tennis again because I just worked with a baseball player that just signed like a $50 million contract, had a back injury, and I made him go to physical therapy for a whole day instead of working, and he ended up coming back, and he's fine. So that kind of started the journey where she said, okay, I'm going to listen to you a little more than I normally did because your husband and wife, you're going to be combative. Right. Yeah. And also some of the exercises you told me to do that they, they hurt, you know, and yeah. I said to Bart, but it hurts when I do that. And he's like, just go through the pain. You'll be all right. And I was scared because I heard different stories. Like you can have a numb feet, your, your foot can get uh, paralyzed and all these horror stories of people that push through the pain. So I was very skeptical with sometimes doing certain exercises, but well, with back injuries, it's hard. And and I, for my emergency medicine training, we we worked with the neurosurgeons and the neurologists a lot. And I would run on neurosurgery patients a lot and they would get back surgeries or we would see them post back surgeries. And honestly, for me, if I hurt my back, the last thing I would want to do is back surgery. And when people come to the ER, um, you know, they're like, oh, what do I do? And I talk to them about physical therapy and stuff because yet surgeries aren't always the answer. And I, I think it's great that that surgeon kind of told you, you know, this isn't really going to fix it, you right. know, and, and, and that, so, so you heard from that surgeon and then you decided to really dig in to different therapies. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Then we, we pretty much did everything that direction and, but it still was, it was still painful. Like I still couldn't, like if I hit a big serve or something and I really went all out in exhibitions, I would still feel it. Okay. And, and that really when I felt that Sean, I mean, you can tell your, your story. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the big thing was is the doctor at the French open told her it was all in her head. So mm. me being, me being me, I said, okay, fix it. And he looked at me like a blank stare. Yeah, he, he had no answers. He said, yeah, it's in your head. But then we were in the same point when people said you're in a head case, you know, it's like, uh-huh. I'm a question mark. And obviously when you take the MRI and everything, it said, clearly you have a herniated disc. And we weren't saying that he wasn't right. He just didn't have any answers where to go. Yeah, and I think, I think part of the problem is, is that 
when I started looking into it, and we went to the top sports psychologist, you know, mm-hmm. guy that at the time was $2,500 an hour, get your story straight. He yeah. told us a bunch of things that were well intended, but they didn't understand it. We even went to a guy that was a psychologist that dealt with, you know, people at the Pentagon at performing at peak levels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he tried to hypnotize her and said she had dreams about spiders and different things like that. But what I found was, is that, and everybody that I talked to, I found everybody was partially right. If it was a neurosurgeon, he was a little bit right. If it was, you know, the orthopedic, if it was a physical therapist, the athletic trainer, the chiropractor. But the interesting thing was, is most of them didn't really know much about what the other person did. If you went to an acupuncturist, they didn't, they didn't understand. You went to the yoga person, but the yoga person didn't understand kind of like physical therapy or medical therapy training. And, you know, they all, they all were right. And, and so I would go to these people and I'd be like, yeah, but you know, I was just at a natural allergist. And it's really interesting to see how mental, emotional, environmental, spiritual influences soft tissue. And the Chinese doctor would look at me and be like, I'm giving you acupuncture. I don't really want to hear about this. If it's not my acupuncture and my herbs or some type right. of father, you know, and they didn't want to veer too far. And then you'd find somebody right. that maybe had a couple different disciplines, but none of them really wanted to say, Hey, you know, if we took a bunch of this stuff, like a couple handfuls and threw it in a blender, we'd really have a bunch of cool stuff that would actually work. Right. And so, the funny thing was, is we started a tennis camp in Virginia, which is now the, our farm that we heal people and, and teach people, you know, kind of how to live. And the funny thing was, is then we started getting more and more kids that wanted to train and start an academy at home. Well, these kids are spending every penny they have and their family is on their tennis. They don't have time to go to a chiropractor, get a massage, get acupuncture, you know, do cold baths. So I became kind of the default person. And essentially, I had a great laboratory to work with these young kids and with Brenda. And then at the, about the same time, a friend of mine that's kind of a famous athletic trainer needed me to help out a baseball player um, named Sean Casey. So he said, look, he can come to me, though. Construction on I-95, he's getting upset. He's just sitting in traffic. If he comes to me once a week, the Reds will be happy. And then can you just train him the rest of the time? And I was actually in charge of sales and operations for a medical technology firm at the time, but I'm like, I'll, I'll make time for them. And it was just kind of when I had time, I worked with the kids who trained the coaches what to do. But the interesting thing is I was applying the same things for these kids and for Brenda and for Sean. I was realizing that the things are limiting didn't make sense. How could they have, a, you know, a top surgeon do surgery on their shoulder, top therapist, top everything, and they were still restricted. So essentially what I did is I really under, started to understand stress. And I learned Chinese medicine, not from the perspective of how acupuncturist was and not treating the symptoms, but, okay, what's causing the real issue? What's causing the electric current to shut down or to be overactive or underactive? And I essentially put together an understanding of things where I used kind of a bit of this and a bit of this and I put it together and it would solve the problem. Or I would say, I'll do this and then go to this practitioner or physician and you'll be okay. And, it, you know, we have so many things that we did in tennis, but what happened was Brenda got to the point where she could play and she could come back after seven years and break a world record. 
but it's but still in my opinion, yeah. it still wasn't all the way there. It, you know, she would come in and out of times of pain and inflammation. And I went to a seminar and it wasn't that the guy was talking about something new. It was kind of like a light went off. And I said, I get it now. And that was really when I started to look at the emotional bridge that kind of connects the mental, physical, emotional, you know, the toxicity, the environmental, there's almost always like an emotional anchor held in it. And if that emotional anchor can be released, a lot of the other things fall in place or just go away. Right. And um, the key. Yeah. And so I, I, you know, I trained and learned with a lot of people, but it's funny now the exact same dysfunction or tiredness or weakness that Brenda will feel in her back and she just turned 50 that back then caused her career to end. We just use the protocols that we use and then a couple of minutes it's gone and she's fine. So unlike a lot of her friends that are getting joint replacements and, you know, shoulders and hips and ankles, I didn't even know you could get replaced ankles, but she, oh, yeah. saw, she saw one of her friends at the U S open two years ago. And he's like, yeah, you know, former, top number one player. I'm getting my ankle replaced. I had my shoulder replaced. And it's funny because now at 50, she has none of those problems. The back issue is non-existent. Right. And if she didn't, and whenever I feel it, I, Sean just clears the, the stress out of my body. And those are the different techniques that he's learned. The one that's most famous, I would say is, is the tapping. Well, yeah, I mean, it's uh, a version of it. It's a version of it. And then you do all kinds of affirmations and that really yeah. helps out right from the get-go that I would be like Sean and he's like no it's it's not physical it's your dad is in your energy and all these difficult different things and we had some kids that the one boy he was the fittest kid you've ever seen he could run 10 miles in deep sand and everything and then after a couple of games on the tennis court he would start cramping so you knew it had nothing to do with his physical it was something deeper stress inside of him and his parents were were going through a hard time. Um, they were, had to foreclose on their house. And so he took that all in. So he wanted to show his parents that he was going to win this tennis match to make life easier on them because they were spending money on him playing tennis. Mm -hmm. And so he, he would start cramping and Sean would do all this affirmation, say, say this, everything is going to work all right. And, and do this and his whole cramping would go away. And my, my back injury went away. This kid's calf muscle suddenly yeah, went I mean it, And it, then you took it to a whole different Yeah, level. I mean, it, 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 you know, it's really blossomed into something what we're very blessed with. I mean, we've, you know, not only do we help people on our farm, we have outreach programs where we reach people all over the world. Um, you know, since we started this, we've helped people from 50 countries. Because Sean can do this over the phone. He can be talking with you right now. Yeah, and so saying, I can I feel this. and <laughs> I can heal from a distance. So, um, so and the people, Francesca, that you spoke to originally are, are trained in it. So let's, we'll, we'll talk about your technique a little bit more, but I agree with like what you said when people go to all these specialists and, you know, they're like, oh, I, I've seen the, the top specialists at NYU and the top endocrinologist and the top, and then, you know, they, 
like, I'm kind of like, I piece the things together because I have, you know, different training and stuff, but I, I agree that it's our medical system is just all over the place and it's doesn't really help people, you know, and, and that's what um, frustrates me the most. And, you know, with, with my patients, we do a lot of talking about EMDR. I don't know if you're yeah, familiar yeah. And, um, you know, or Reiki or yoga or meditation. So I really do approach someone with a chronic illness that I'm like, you know, we can do all the things we can do supplements, you can get a massage, you can do physical therapy, but you also have to heal. Like you're saying your stress, you have to heal trauma that you've had in the past. You have to heal that stuff. So I'm so interested. Can you share kind of with what you do exactly, or, or tell us a little bit more about it? You know, a lot of people say, can anyone do what you do? And I say, yeah, because I've trained everyone from eight-year-olds to doctors how to do it. And I think it's really an understanding of things. I mean, the body has systems just like there's anatomy and physiology and biology and chemistry. And, you know, you have fascia and you have all these, you know, the body is just, and you know it better than anyone, it's just such an probably the most incredible piece of machinery that's ever walked the face of the earth times a million. Right. And that might be an, you know, an underestimate of what the human potential is. But I think the thing is, is if you start to understand what is causing the problem, right. So I'm big into teaching people, you know, muscle testing or using a pendulum, which is dousing. And I, I go pretty deep into using that because it allows people to start ask questions and not so much yes or no, but just starting to get a guide of which systems of the body are off. What's, and then once you understand that, you can then start saying, hey, what's influencing that? Is it the environment? Is it a person, place, or thing? And once you do that, you can start framing up the conversation that has to take place with the person. And once that conversation starts to take place, you can go into the systems of the body, whether it's chakras or meridians, and you can start to alter those, whether you're holding an energy point and saying an affirmation, visualizing. If you're a person of faith and belief, you, belief, you can use prayer plus energy points. And when you do that, you can start peeling back the layers of the onion so that relief can happen in some situations. Healing happens for the person or other modalities that they're using are more powerful. I mean, I think it's like anything, the more you train your intuition or your connectivity, whatever your belief structure is, it, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And then my personal opinion is, is that, you know, someone may tell me, oh, I, I have a bladder infection. So if that's the case, and you know, which I've had, you know, my mother has a bladder infection, she's 86 years old. She can't get to the doctor. She doesn't want to take antibiotics. You know, is there anything you could do? Could you pray for her? Could you heal her? Well, that person, because I've trained my intuition so much, tells me a story. And if I start dealing with that story, and most of the time that they don't ever have to talk about it. Because a funny quick story is, is one time I, I healed a, a Shaolin monk who also was a physician. And he was he was supposed to die. And I never saw him. I just was driving through Europe doing seminars and somebody asked me to heal him because he was kind of like a national treasure for this European country. Well, by long, 
make a long story short, I got back to where he was from, the country where he was from, seven days later, and he was released from the hospital. So eventually, he and I got to know each other, and he wanted to. He said, "Look, I want to heal you. You healed me." So he told me, he says, I put everybody to sleep that I heal. And I said, well, why do you do that, Christian? He said, because they get their brain involved and all their stories involved, and then I can't heal them. So most of the things that I do, I just will have, I'll touch on a subject and say, oh, did something ever happen in the spring when you were seven? Yeah. Okay, good. Let's go deal with that. And that's about as much as I'll talk about things, because the less the brain's involved, the more the systems in the body can kind of go and harmonize themselves and heal themselves. So I use countless modalities because someone might be able to grasp things and wants to participate in the process. I might use one system there. Another person may reject things and not really want to believe in it. So I might just use pure energy work where I send energy into their body. So it, it just, it varies. And I don't mean to be vague, but it's just right. people are so unique that you kind of have to, I believe, have a pretty expansive toolbox because if you test that they have an allergy, well, that allergy is probably going to have an emotional component. It's probably going to have an environmental component. So, you know, that navigation starts to tell a story of how you can look into what's going on or what you can suggest to them that, you know, here's somebody that I would go and see, you know, here's why I would go to cranial sacral versus chiropractic because, you know, this might be what you need, or you may be resistant to this, or somebody maybe have told you chiropractors are quacks. So go to an osteopath, you know, or a cranial sacral person. Right. So, you know, that's really what we do. But at the farm, what we try and do is really educate people how to live, teach them how to eat, how to think the right way, the right activities to do, and to how and be a person of service to themselves, to others, and to the planet, and to the creator. Um, because what we find is, is that once you kind of learn the things that we do, it's almost like you need to give it back to the world because right. you've learned something that's given you the ability to overcome things. So, you know, we on our farm, we have livestock that we try and have as much farm to table the other things that we buy from other farms are from friends of ours that own farms or farms that we've gone and inspected to see their growing or raising practices if it's livestock um, we only serve chemical free organic so you know we'll use the same distributors as like a, a whole foods or a sprouts we use if we don't purchase the things from a farm so we really try and get pure food into them we try and teach them you know, like you mentioned yoga, we try and incorporate things that we call of our connectivity drills, which are a variety of yoga and mobility drills and Qigong, Qigong and Tai Chi and, you know, getting the body flowing the right way, you know, corrective postural work just to let them understand, like, here's how your emotions show up in your body. This is how your emotions are structuring your posture and your soft tissue alignment and how we can clear those and then adjust their posture and their their soft tissue and the way their body holds pain and inflammation and trauma. So we really try and do it individualized, but in a group atmosphere so they can see that other people might be having a relationship struggle, which is different than maybe being in a you know bad car wreck. Like a woman I helped at church yesterday got hit at 130 miles an hour in her Jeep and flipped over. Yeah. And, you know, she's been in pain for 10 years, 
So right. somebody grabbed me at church yesterday and said, hey, Sean, can you help this woman? You know, and so I think the thing that we're really trying to do is because Brenda was told no, mm-hmm. and we found a solution. It's kind of like, well, if she was told no, how many other people, whether they have cancer or relationship issues or fertility problems have been told no? And if they just learned how to live the right way, probably life would look a lot different. Right. So for our listeners out there, you know, when we start talking about things like distant healing and, you know, chakras and stuff like that, when I went and did my fellowship in integrative medicine, I mean, it kind of changed what I thought of these things, um, you know, meditation, Reiki, Qigong, those kind of things. And I'm so much more open to it. And you can really feel people's energy. These are skills you can develop, um, you know, and are they scientifically based? Not all the time, but they're Dr. Andrew Weil. He has a great book called Spontaneous Healing. Have you guys read that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I like he, he wrote that really early in his career and it's, it's very good. And it talks about, you know, these phenomenons that we, where cancer just is gone or in remission and, and things where it's more um, energy work. I also tell my patients to watch um, Heal on Netflix. Have you guys yep. watched that? Yeah. To try to ease people into you know, there's other things out there that can help, right? Because um, your doctor is not going to sit down. With, well, I will, but um, <laughs> your your doctor is not going to sit down with you and say, you know, I think you need to meditate or or do Reiki or um, you know do some yoga or do some prayer meditation, you know, and tap into that or heal the trauma. So, I think. Um, what you're saying is so important and the farm sounds amazing. I think I need to visit or something, but um, yeah, well, so cause it's so important. It's so hard to actually teach people like how we are supposed to eat and how we should live because we live in such a stressful world. And like you said, that wrecks havoc. Um, so can you share kind of, what, like Brenda, what you do when you start feeling that pain coming back or Sean, like how you help Brenda through that, maybe to our listeners can get a better kind of feel. Right. Now I'll, I'll start in this one. Just also, I wanted to say something about lately we, you know, we, we talk a lot about what Sean does with the energy healing. Right. But then sometimes we forget about all the things that we've learned over time before we we saw, hey, that piece of the puzzle was missing. But we already ate all organic, all clean food. You know, we already did all the positive thinking, listened to all the the right books, right? The right people. So there was so many, and did the yoga, did all those, what Sean was saying, the mobility drills and everything. I was doing those and but there was something missing. But then we realized that Sean would be doing energy healing on people and it wouldn't hold that long. But then we realized that after they left Sean and they would feel better, they were like, oh yeah, my shoulder feels great. And then they would go eat some food that was super highly in- inflammatory, you would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, but we, we ate clean, so we never had that problem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so... I, at the farm, I guess we touch every single thing that we've learned over time. Right. And that's so nice to have 
these people together and you can start with the right exercises and the right breathing techniques and then the right food, you give them the right food so you know at least when they're there, we kind of live out there in, in, in you know, 300 acres, I wouldn't say middle of nowhere, but there's not many grocery stores that they can quickly go to to get something else. Right. So you know they're really getting clean food and you see their body just changing mm. in, in very short time. And but like I said, it's it, it's it's more pieces. So so the energy healing works for sure. But you have to do those other things too, right? Yeah. And and yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think part of from a listener's perspective, I mean, you know, Brenda calls them stupid human tricks, and, and the, the reason is, is it I, I have a massage table that a lot of people like when I bring it around with me because I put somebody on a massage table. And I kind of just go through the mechanics of the body, how the hip mobility, different things, you know, how their flexibility, um, you know, but the main thing that I do is I'll go to the meridians in the body, which are kind of the energy highway, which are the organs of the body, have a line that runs through the body. They, some go from the toe all the way up to the head and, you know, different ones go down the arms and through the shoulders and the stomach wall. And, you know, it's all through the body. There's a meridian system that's represented in your teeth, your tongue, your eyes, your ears, your hands, feet, and everywhere through the body. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times what I'll do is, let's just say I have Brenda's back would hurt. And I would grab her inside thigh and I would say, does that hurt? And yeah, it hurts. Well, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being really bad, how's it feel? Because you jumped a little bit off the table. Oh, it's a nine. So, okay, well, that's the area where your spleen and your liver run. So then what I would do is, and this is based on a kind of an adjusted version of Dr. Diamond's book, The Body Doesn't Lie, it was written in the 70s. I would then have her hold an energy point and visualize or say an affirmation or a prayer. And then I would say, okay, let me go to that pain point and see how much pain is there. Well, that eight is now a two. Okay, we need to do a little more work. And then maybe I'll muscle test or use applied kinesiology um, to say, well, is it a person, place, or thing? And then I'll adjust the words or the vision that she visualizes to go in alignment with the person, place, or thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, now it's a two. But what can happen then is is that she doesn't have the pain in the inside thigh because of where the spleen and the liver meridian run. Well, that's affecting kind of the hip and the abdominal wall well that tension is released now how's your back feel how's your and i may have her stand up how's your mobility or get in a yoga position how is it adjusted and then just work through that Mm -hmm. and and just see where and even sometimes if it's a lower body or a low back type of issue maybe their self-esteem is off a little bit, which can have a correlation with the lungs. So I'll have them do a lung clearing, which then will open up their self-esteem and, you know, and, you know, often help the oxygen flow in the body with their breath. And then all of a sudden the inflammation and the pain points and the mobility and the soft tissue and the fascia expression changes. So, and sometimes you even have it when he heals things, it actually can hurt more. Or one time my eye was itching when I was pregnant and, and, uh, and Sean was healing all this stuff and it got, it started itching more. So they call that the Hers- Hersheimer well, reaction. Well, I mean, it's part of it is a Herxheimer reaction, mm-hmm. which is where you right. have the, 
the symptom gets worse because you're trying to process it. So there are times where... And then it gets better and you're like... I mean, there's times where people cry, they get panic attacks, they go through, but... Sometimes they almost faint because there's so much toxins comes out of the body. This one boy, they said, uh, he was like, how old was the kid that came to the house? Around 20. Jai. Yeah, around 20. He was playing in Virginia Tech, also tennis. And uh, they say, yeah, I need shoulder surgery because mm. you have a labrum tear. And so I was like, no, no, let's let's get all this stuff. So he was holding his, his hands around the shoulder. He wasn't touching him, but holding his hands. And suddenly the kid just started dizzy and he falls backwards in Sean's arms. I was like, Sean, he just fainted. So Sean's like, give some apis. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but I mean, I think part of it is, is it, you know, <laughs> I, I was funny in that case. I said, hey. Were you drinking beer last night? Right. He got really <laughs> drunk because they told him, like, you won't play tennis anymore, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, so he was, his body just went into a massive detox. And, yeah. you know, you can. And the minute he came out of it, Sean was like, okay, move your arm around now. We're all like, okay, he's good. And Sean was like, move your arm around. Do you feel it? He's like, no, it feels, feels good. I don't feel my shoulder anymore. <laughs> but There's some sort of release, emotional or. Yeah, there's a lot of things. I mean, there's a lot of systems of the body. And, you know, if you talk about Reiki and if you call in the Reiki or the energy, I mean, you know, the energies will know where to go. If you're a believer in God, then God knows where to send them. So, I mean, like you said, in Spontaneous Healing from, you know, Dr. Weil and another great movies that you can watch on Gaia is called Emotion that a couple friends of ours are in. And it really does an amazing job of just teaching different healing systems, you know, and talking about different healing systems. And I think, you know, like I said, I believe everybody's right sometimes. I mean, my, mm-hmm. you know, one of our, one of our best friends in the world's mother is 93 and fell and broke her hip and her shoulder today. And, you know, mm-hmm. she needs surgery. She's going right. to need, but there's other things that will help that. And I think mm-hmm. that that's what a lot of people overlook is that, Hey, is there something in homeopathy that accelerates bone healing? Well, yeah, yep. there absolutely is. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, is it, you know, and it does energy work Can energy go in, push into those bones. It sure can. And there's actually even a type of breathing called bone breathing that helps, you know, your lymphatic system and your bone marrow and your bones. So I think, you know, it's, it's really, you know, obviously you went and studied, you know, from Andrew Weil, who's, you know, was really one of the pioneers. Harvard trained, spent times in India, you know, got right. to know the Native American Indians. He did a little bit of everything. And I think at the end of the day, that's what the game is, is it's really figuring out what the person needs and what they respond to. And, you know, everybody's different. I mean, Bernie Siegel used to talk about, he found that people that traveled the furthest or went through the most to receive care for cancer normally had the best results. Well, they put a little more effort into it. So maybe that's part of it. So we're, we're really, you know, our mission is, is that we don't, you know, whether, you know, I, I get all kinds of crazy phone calls from all over the world. And, you know, it, sometimes you, you say, well, I wish somebody would lose my number. But at the end of the day, you don't want people, whether it's trauma or it's disease, or in some cases, it's just somebody needs somebody to talk to um, or just a little bit of education. You really don't want to see people. There's too many people, and I know you know this because of the way that you practice medicine. There's too many people that's lives are being dismantled because of not being given proper care or proper understanding or proper education or proper guidance. 
And right. for a lot of people, I mean, take something like Lyme disease. There's people that's lives are just flipped upside down. Right. Where if they had, you know, you know, proper care or proper guidance, it wouldn't have to be that way. Right. Or like you said, even people listening to them, I'll get so many patients that they're told, oh, you're, for example, you know, you're just tired because you're a mother or, you know, but I dig in and they have all these other issues. I mean, I could, I can't even tell you how many um, women who have had babies, they don't get referred to pelvic floor therapy. So they're not connecting <laughs> with that breath, which affects the meridians, affects the lymph, affects their intestines, you know, if they have diastasis recti and it's all connected and, oh, I send so many referrals for that because that's just one piece of the puzzle, why they're not feeling good, you know? So, um, yeah, kind of, that's what I do, um, during my appointments is, you know, we start from childhood all the way up to, you know, present day. And we look for life events, how we can fix that. You know, I, I tell them massage, reiki, fascia, lymph, um, lymph flow. I have a really good massage therapist. I trust that really she does reflexology so she can really, you know, she'll, she'll do reflexology on me and just tell me things that she doesn't know about me. So, yeah, I mean, I think people need to just have a little bit more openness to the things you do to the things you're saying. You know, some people might be listening and be like, what are they talking about? But I think you have to experience it. So I think people just maybe if they haven't tried, you know, different kinds of healing that, that they should, or maybe explore or maybe reach out to you. How, how do our listeners, um, you know, reach out, learn more about, the farm well, and everything. I, mean, I, I think in the modern world, websites are typically how people go. So our website is www.tedsfoundation.org. And TEDS, once again, stands for Think, Eat, Do, and Serve. We believe those are kind of the four pillars. And we, we've kind of expanded beyond that. But originally, you know, back in around 2003, when we coined the name, you know, that was where we were. It's, it's evolved past that. But um yeah, I mean, it, you know, even on our website, you can learn a few things. But I think, you know, the most thing is, is just to find somebody that has experienced it. Or like you said, you have a good massage therapist or a chiropractor or, you know, a doctor that's open for things. Because, you know, especially in current times with all the things that are going on right now, I mean, suicide numbers are at an all-time high. Behavioral health prescriptions are at an all-time high. That's in addition to COVID, and it might be, you know, most people say it's because COVID, but you know, there's a lot of things that you can do from a self-care perspective, like you were talking about meditation, breath work. Um, yeah, I mean, even what you talked about, about, you know, I had a woman the other day that had a back problem, and her husband is an executive of a company I consult with, and he said, oh, can you help my wife out with her back? And she came in, and I said, how many kids do you have? She said, Four. I said, well, have you had any like reorganization of things down there in your pelvic region? She goes, what do you mean? I mean, like somebody reset your organs, deal with the scar tissue, deal with the misalignment, deal with all these different things. It's like, I don't have any idea what you're, I've never heard of anything you talk about. Right. I said, well, let me do something for you to reset all of that. And I'm pretty sure that most of your back pain will go away. Mm -hmm. and, and then I referred her to a corrective yoga, you know, platform that she can do online 
And I said, this is, she's like, oh, but shouldn't I get back to working out? I said, absolutely not. I said, get your body back in realignment, nurture yourself for about a month or two, and then you can think about going and getting into the gym. You need, you know, four kids is, it's real things happen to the body when that happens. So um, I think it's awesome what you're doing. My hat's off to you because, you know, you went through your own personal journey that is now benefiting so many people. Yeah, thank you. Well, and I think that's how we're all similar is that we kind of were called to, like you said, serving um, in these ways. And that's what I like to think of, you know, having this podcast and different platforms to, to educate because the healthcare system just is broken. And I just don't think people are getting the help they need because it's not, you know, it's not always in a pill or a surgery, right? Yeah. And there's, you know, I think, you know, I think in Brenda's situation, um, you know, I call us the bad back family because I injured my back at the University of Cincinnati playing football. So I kind of did everything I could to fix my back, you know, with strength, conditioning, flexibility, mobility. Um, and it all, it worked so far. But then when her issues came about, I at least knew that. And I had a reference point of like, okay, they couldn't get me back to play football. Let's see if we can do the same things. And, you know, it, it took another level of learning. And I think about all the people that we take for granted because of now with our back programs, a number of athletes, not just athletes that we've helped, um, you know, it really came from both of us experiencing it in a real way. Both of our athletic careers were ended. Luckily, Brenda could come back, but we never imagined that it would blossom into the things that we do now that we, we feel so blessed. And we almost think of like something like a back pain is like, Oh, that's no big deal. We can take care of that really quickly. But um, for us in our, in our life, we couldn't function. So, you know, like I said, we're, we're lucky to have people like you and thank you for taking the time to have us on the podcast tonight. Yeah, of course. It, I, I think it's so awesome what you guys are doing. And I encourage everyone to go check out the website, um, you know, and try to get a hold of you guys if they think that they they need to, right? If we have some listeners out there in need. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And if, it, you know, sometimes that phone call might just be enough to give them the right guidance. Right. And if mm -hmm. that's over the summer, we'll have a bunch of retreats, weekends, and weeks for, for families and individuals to come and learn all the things. And athletes, and maybe we'll get you to come on yeah, over that from would be awesome. the greater Toledo region and visit. I would love to. Do, do families ever come out, or is it usually? We do. We have, family, we have weeks with families. We do. Yeah. Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely look into that. I, I think that would be so fun. We could um, have you change my, my husband still gets a little bit weirded out when I talk about some of the chakra stuff. So you would have to change his mind. Um, that's no problem. I, I've, I've had some uh, hard cases to crack when it comes to that stuff, but it, it's amazing when issues go away from the body, people listen real quick. Right, right, exactly. Well, thank you so much, Brenda and Sean, for coming on. I, I loved hearing your story and your passion. So. Appreciate well, thank you, so Jen. We appreciate it so much. Have a great evening. Thank you, Jen. Thank you. This podcast is created and hosted by Jen Flagar and is for informational purposes only. It is not medical advice. This podcast is credited responsibility for adverse effects from use of information contained in this podcast. 
This podcast does not promote the opinions of their guests as their own and does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests of the show or endorse any qualifications for the guests of this podcast. Guests may have financial disclosures. If you think you have a medical problem, consult your personal 